Hey there, and welcome to the Multiply Church podcast. Multiply Church exists to glorify God through multiplying disciples in our neighborhoods and the nations. We are so thankful you've decided to utilize this audio resource and pray it will help you develop a more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. However, this audio resource cannot and should not replace your participation in a local church. Our prayer is that this will simply serve as a supplement to the faithful preaching, teaching, and community you receive within your local church. If you are not involved in a local church, we would love to connect with you. Please visit our website at multiplychurch.church and click connect and fill out our connect form. We will get back with you as soon as possible and would love to have you visit with us on a Sunday morning or become involved in one of our missional communities. Now, let's dig into God's Word. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face shine upon you. May He turn His face toward you and give you peace. Well, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Man, Zach, this is awesome. You didn't tell me you were going to do this. He just threw my sermon up right here for me. That's kind of cool. Um, if you have your Bibles, like Zach was saying, go ahead and turn with me to 2 John. We're going to be in 2 John today. Um, a short little book, but a powerful little book. Um, as I thought about this letter and as I prayed about it, I actually prepped this sermon about two or three weeks ago. And quite frankly, this week as I've been reading through it and thinking through it and reading the text, um, I don't like it. So um, we're going to roll with the punches this morning, and I feel like the Lord is trying to teach us something different through this text than I'd originally. Um, I originally. I did all the exegesis, and I'm like, yeah, this is what it says, this is what it says, and then I like didn't hear what it actually said. You know what I mean? Sometimes we read the, the Bible, and we can see all these beautiful things, but then we miss the heart of the message. And so the heart of this message this morning is going to be different. It's called walking in truth and love. And I had the main thing would be walking together in Christ's truth and love will keep us from being deceived. But I think the main thing I want to ask this morning, it's the main thing is more of a question. Um, we're moving into the holiday season. And one of the major questions that are asked that's asked to children is, do you believe? Do you believe? And in the context of this is talking about Santa Claus with children. I found a way to work that back in, by the way. Um, but, but the thing about it is, my question this morning is, based on Second John, do you believe the truth? Do you believe the truth? Not truth, the truth of the gospel. Because... What I find in this text is that we are called to a truth that abides in us and that will be with us forever. It's the truth. And I have to ask this morning, do you believe the truth? Because one of the things that has hit me and the Holy Spirit has been whacking me over the head with for like the past week, um, and some of you that I've had lunch with can, can testify to this because I've talked about it, is the reality of Jesus. Because this week, my wife and I, in our family discipleship time, we take our daughter at night before she goes to bed. We'll read the Jesus Storybook Bible. We'll pray and we'll sing a song. We've been singing Hope of the Ages by Hillsong, which is actually, a, I call it a gospel song. It's really good. Um, but one of the things that we do is we read through the Jesus Storybook Bible. And we were reading through 
the feeding of 5,000 story. And we read through this story, which is amazing, where he just takes, you know, the five loaves and the two fish and he feeds like 5,000. We know that there were 5,000 men, but that's not counting the women and the children who were there. And then they're leaving with all these baskets of food that was left over. And I'm, I'm sitting there at the, after we, we read it, I looked over to Alyssa, I was like, man, that's an incredible story. What if we actually believed it? And I'm not saying objectively that we don't believe it, but where is the childlike wonder of just who Jesus is? Because I think we come to this and as adults we can, we can have our joy ripped out and we can take our imagination out of it and we can take the reality that Jesus is who He says He is out of the text and we see Jesus as some proposition rather than a person. As some idea rather than the truth. And so... This morning, I'm asking you, do you believe the truth? Because the same Jesus who fed the 5,000, the same Jesus who raised people from the dead, the same Jesus who lived lames, lepers, and those who are blind and deaf, that same Jesus is our King. And that's powerful. And that same Jesus said, great works I've done, but greater things you will do. I was talking with someone that, this week about that. And I'm like, that's insane. But do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is the son of the living God? Do you believe in him as your Lord? And is he real to you? Not just some figment of our imagination, not just some proposition, not just some idea, but a person in whom, with whom you're in love with. Because as we're going to find out in this text, it's so easy to waver from the truth. And this morning, I want you to open your mind with childlike wonder to just dream with me for a minute, to, to actually see reality for what it is. The beauty of the Gospel and the beauty of being able to love because we have been transformed by the Gospel. So in 2 John, we see this in verse 1. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, this elect lady. Um, a lot of scholars wonder what this is. I'm going to take the position that when it's talking to the elect lady, he is specifically addressing another church here, a local church. And so the elder to the elect lady or this church and her children or its members whom I love in truth and not only I, but also who, all who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has the Father and the Son. 
If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I come, instead I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister or this other church greet you. Father, this morning we confess both our worth and our unworthiness, Lord. You have called us worthy and given us worth, Lord. You have created us in your image and prayerfully in this room there are many who are being recreated in your son's image. But Lord, I, I know this morning that we are totally unworthy of your goodness. We are totally unworthy and sinful. And Lord, because you are holy, you must punish sin and you hate sin. And yet, you have loved us, you have won us, you have changed us. And God, I pray that through the truth this morning, we would again have our hearts set towards Jesus. The Holy Spirit, you would change us right where we are, and that God, you would have all the honor and glory due your name today. Not because of anything that we've done or who we are, but God, holy because you are our God and we are your people. And so God, this morning, use this text, show us the truth, and help us to lead, lead lives that live in light of this truth in Christ's name. There are a couple things we can learn from this text, but when I talk about the truth, and when John is talking about the truth here, he is getting to the core of the gospel, the good news that Jesus has come into our world, the Son of God, fully God, fully man, has walked the earth, He has lived the perfect life, holy, satisfying the Father's will that we could not live. He has died the atoning sacrificial death on the cross you and I deserve for our sins. He has risen again victoriously, showing that He is God, that He has power over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And He has ascended to the right hand of the Father, and He will come back again. The full picture of the beauty of the Gospel. This is the truth. And this is what I love about this text, is that John says, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. You see, the gospel is the greatest cosmic love story ever told. Everything you see on TV, every main storyline, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Superman is a huge one. He's literally the son of El. El is Hebrew for God. He's the light of the world who comes into darkness to shine. Like, it's being ripped straight from Jesus. The beauty of this truth is that God loves us. And because God loves us, we can love in truth when we come into Christ. We love in truth because we are loved in truth by God. His love is unwavering. It's perfect. It's holy. We have defined love through the epistles of 1 John and now 2 John as self-sacrificial love that, that God is sacrificing of Himself so that we might come to Him. A loving Father, a dear brother, a Holy Spirit who, who comes and changes us. This is what we need to know. That we love in truth and that we are also knowing the truth. 
because of the truth that abides in us and will uh, be with us forever, is what verse 2 says. This truth is unchanging. The gospel is eternal. We're not growing out of it. I hate when people say, let's get past the gospel. If we get past the gospel, we do not have biblical Christian faith. We don't. The gospel is both the, the it is it is the A to Z of the Christian life. It's not the ABCs, it's the A to Z, is what Tim Keller would say. We never grow out of the gospel. We constantly grow deeper and deeper because I'm going to tell you as I'm reading these Jesus storybook Bible stories about Jesus and what he's doing, even even last night I had tears starting to fill my eyes as I'm hearing the parable of the prodigal son. It's beautiful to hear this this truth that we have been redeemed by a God who loves us. And so we love in truth. True love is truth in love. It is righteous and self-sacrificing. God is the perfect picture and example of this. And we're created in His image, which means we should reflect that same kind of love. But we're not going to do it through sheer willpower. We're going to do it through the gospel transforming our lives. And I love how it says, how he sets this letter up now. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. It's not may be with us, it's will be with us. Because this gospel has come to bear, this good news of Jesus has come to bear on our lives in such a way that it is eternal, that it has changed us, that it has transformed us, and that it also not only transforms us, but it transforms those around us. This is good news. And it follows up by saying this, that grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father, Son, in truth and love. There is importance that there is truth and love. We talked about this in 1 John, that love and righteousness are synonymous. True biblical love and righteousness are synonymous because you cannot have love without truth. It doesn't happen. And the the central truth of the universe is the gospel. Don't miss that. Like you want to get to the central truth of the universe, it is the gospel, it is that there is a God. And so I have to ask again, do you believe the truth? Do you believe the God of the Bible? Because if you do, it, it does something. He does something. His Holy Spirit does something. Look at what John says in verses 4-5. through I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. Notice he doesn't say all. Notice he doesn't say all there. And this, this kind of jumped out to me as I was reading through this text. I find some of your children walking in the truth. What does this mean? Well, I think it can be meant in a couple of different ways, but some of the people who were a part of this church were not truly walking in Christ. They had not believed the full breadth and width and depth of the Gospel and instead had been living only partial truth in their lives. They maybe saw Jesus as some great teacher. They maybe said in their words that He was Lord, that He is God, that He is the Son of God. But then there are some who would not say that. And if we get later in the text, it's going to say, talk about those who do not bide in the teaching of Christ. 
but that there was a confession of some of them that the coming of Jesus Christ did not happen technically in the flesh. So Jesus was just some like little ghost in a bod that wasn't really a bod thing. But the truth of the matter is, what he is saying here is that some were walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. And what is this truth? It's the truth of the Gospel, but it's also... Get this, and now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have heard from the beginning, that we love one another. And so this truth, the truth of the gospel, transforms us in such a way that we not only love God, but we love one another self-sacrificially. There is a vertical and a horizontal aspect of, of the gospel. There is that we love God and that we love people. And then out of the overflow of that, of course, there is the making of disciples. But let's not get so far past this that we miss the beauty of what is being said here. That those who are true children who walk in the truth will by their very nature of being transformed by the Holy Spirit, love. That they will love. Not only will they love in truth as John is calling here them to do here, but they will love the truth. They will love the truth. Look at verses 6-7. through seven. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. And this is the commandment, just as you had heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. This is love, that you walk in my commandments. What is my commandment? That you love God and love one another. What is, what is the beauty of the commandment being fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus? It is that the, the commandments were not, the, the, the moral law was not abolished. It was fulfilled through Jesus. But what is being said here is that now we are under, quote unquote, a new kind of law. It's the law of Christ. Who will point us back to the Ten Commandments. Who will point us back to the moral law and say, these are the ways in which you should walk, but then now there is grace and love that has met us in this. Knowing that we cannot fulfill perfectly this law. And so we have the beauty of the gospel come to bear on us in that. This is the, the commandment we have heard from the beginning so that you should walk in it for many deceivers. Look at this. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. You see, there is a lot of deception in this world that would... Remove us from the truth. And I, I feel like the, main, the enemy's main tactics are deception and distraction. He wants to deceive you from the truth. And it's not, it doesn't have to be major. It can be minor. But he just wants to distract you or deceive you enough from the truth. And then he also wants to distract you from the truth. He wants to distract you from the cosmic reality of the gospel. Because as long as we're distracted, as long as our minds aren't fully set on Jesus, and trust me, this happens with me all the time. I'm even thinking about it right now throughout this week as I've gone in and I have this wonderful book called uh, Prone to Wander. And one of the things I do in the morning now is I start out with a, a, a call to confession and I read the scripture and then I have a prayer of confession and then I have uh, an assurance of pardon that I read after that. And I can go in there and I can do that. And I, I've kind of created this daily liturgy for myself to just return again to the gospel truth in the morning. 
And then I find myself like not even 15 minutes later, my mind is completely shot off of that. The cares and the worries of the world and my own personal life seem to, to strip the gospel joy right out of my heart and distract me. And yet, one of the things we must be careful not to allow happen is for the enemy to distract us in such a way that we lose the beauty and grandeur of the truth. And that's why Zach has brought it up, the gospel primer. It's important that we have daily rehearsings of the gospel. Sometimes moment by moment, sometimes hour by hour, but if you do not have a liturgy set up in your day, and a liturgy is just a practice of worship, if you do not within your daily lives have some different points in the day which you have set apart as holy to come back and remember the good news of the gospel, you can go your entire day after reading that wonderful passage of Scripture and having the gospel come to bear on your heart and your life. You can forget that in 15 minutes and you don't remember it again until you're laying down in bed and like, what did I do today? Or, or what truths that were half-truths did I believe today? See, we must walk in the truth. And we also must speak the truth in love. Here is a key thing. But we walk in the truth and speak the truth in love. Because there are deceivers who seek to distort the truth. And one of the things that I'm very concerned about is that we have lost the fight and the willpower to boldly speak the truth in love to a not yet believing world. Because I think sometimes we're more fearful of man than we are of God and we're fearful to take a step in and counter argue certain things that people might say that their worldview is completely anti-Christ, completely anti-biblical, and yet we're not the first to step up and say, whoa, hang on there. Let's, let's, let's visit that. And let's talk about this. Because I know you have co-workers. I know you have brothers and sisters. I know you have family members. I know you have, have not yet believing friends that you walk with. And there are so many times where I think it's a lot easier for us to just, oh, let's, let's kind of like mention the truth, but let's not like really dig into it. Because we're afraid we're going to lose a relationship. We're afraid that we're going to harm someone's feelings and I hate, I hate to say this, but Jesus was in the business of hurting people's feelings. Jesus was more concerned with people's eternity than He was their feelings. He was more concerned with their hearts than what they perceived in their minds to be truth. He wanted them to understand that this truth was eternal and transformative. And if that is the case, and if Jesus was bold, so bold as to go to religious people and give them what for when it came to the gospel, how much more boldly should we approach not yet believing pagan world with the truth of the gospel? Because in the end, at the end of the day, at the end of the road, we're not saving people ourselves. It's God who saves them. It's not our truth to bring. It's a truth we step into. It is the eternal reality of the Godhead coming and making us and dwelling with us and coming to be with us and is going to bring us home. And that's the truth. And we must guard the truth of the gospel against pseudo-gospels and false teachings because there are false teachings that are obviously false. That Jesus didn't come in the flesh for, for those in this time. 
that would have been something that wasn't so obviously false because the church is kind of new. It's been birthed recently, but now for us who have spent years in the Christian faith, those of us who have thousands, almost 2,000 years of church history we can look back on and they have these councils that came together, the council at Nicaea in 325, where they gave a doctrinal statement on Jesus, that He was fully God, that He was fully man, He is fully God, is fully man. We have shoulders to stand on. We have a great cloud of witnesses that has went before us that point us to Jesus. And we also have the Holy Spirit of the living God dwelling within us, convicting us of truth and righteousness. And so there's power there to stand against these false teachings because there's some that are so close to the truth that it's hard to discern. Curtis talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It doesn't take much for the enemy to distract us from our flesh, for our flesh to distract us because there are a, there's a full breadth of the gospel and yet sometimes we focus in on this little tiny piece that we're like, I don't know about that. And it doesn't come to bear on our lives like it ought. And so I'm saying just be careful. I'm not going to re-beat a dead horse on this because Curtis did an incredible job, but there's some things that are so close to the truth that it's important that we discern the truth. And it's important that we teach biblical doctrine in line with the historic Christian faith. I, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but over the last couple of years, really, and I see it happening even more today, it's like we throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's like we take these 2,000 years of church history and we do chronological snobbery and we like throw it out the window because we say, oh, well, those people weren't that smart. Well, I have to say this, like the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, dwelled in them. He directed them in truth and righteousness. They formulated these ideals and these doctrinal statements in this historic Christian faith, this rule of faith of orthodoxy that we have now today to follow. And so many people are saying, well, for the first time in like, I don't know, 2,000 years, well, the Bible doesn't really address homosexuality. The Bible doesn't really say that's a sin. And I've got to say this, guys. This is our firm foundation. The special revelation of Jesus comes through His Word and the Holy Spirit convicts us of truth and righteousness through the Word. And we don't need to throw out thousands of years of historic Christian faith that lead us and have guided us and we've seen brothers and sisters who have walked before us because we're not smarter than they are or were. This historic Christian faith, first and foremost, wasn't created by us. Who are we to define it outside of how God has defined it Himself and used His Holy Spirit to define it in us now? And so, I have to say this, theology has never been a personal endeavor. True, correct theology, or words about God, has blossomed in the context of the church, resting in the authority of God's Word and the power of the Spirit. It's never a personal endeavor. If you go off by yourself, and you read, a, read this, and you go off into a cave somewhere, and you start reading all this, and you think you have some revelation from God, and someone comes and gives you something different, you end up being Joseph Smith. You're visited by a messenger of what you think is heaven, and you say that this 
This archangel comes and speaks to you. Well, there definitely was an archangel speaking, but his name was Lucifer. Satan. Guys, we have to speak the truth in love, but we need to know the truth. And I'm more and more convinced with the advent, well, it's not really the advent, but the coming decade, we have artificial intelligence. I was talking about this with a brother this last week. We have artificial intelligence, and it is not objective. It is subjective. And we have a cosmic enemy who influences political powers, entire empires. He influences the, the route of this world. And we have these new tools that are great that we can use for God's glory. But what I'm saying is the question we are going to be asking for the next decade and for the decades to come, because this is becoming so prevalent, is what is truth? And it's not the question we need to be asking. We need to be asking what is the truth? Because the gospel is the truth. The Bible is the truth. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and righteousness and truth in line with this word that God has given us. And so, don't tarry or wander from the truth. Do you believe the truth? And what I mean by that is, do you truly believe it? Curtis talked about it a couple of weeks ago. But has the truth come to bear on your life in such a way that it's completely transformed who you are inside out? And if it hasn't this morning, I beg you to repent and believe the gospel. I beg you to see your sin in light of who God is. That He is a holy God. That He must punish sin. That it is an eternal affront to Him. That He loves you dearly and is beckoning you to come and repent. To turn away from your sin and to believe this truth. That Jesus is who He says He is. That He's done what He says He has done. And that He is returning again. He will bring us home. We will dwell with Him eternally. I was talking with someone about that this week. Oh, that I would believe that truth. That it would actually transform me. That day by day, that would bring a fresh fire in me. Because I don't want to lose my childlike wonder of the Gospel. I don't want to lose my view of who Jesus is. I don't want to let the fact that Jesus is who He says He is not come to bear fully on who I am. Because if I say I am in Christ, I have been given His name. And may it actually transform me in such a way that I see Him more powerfully. That I see Him more boldly. That it actually changes and I can believe this truth that the Holy Spirit is indwelling me. That the, the very power that raised Christ from the dead, the very person who gave this power is dwelling within me. And I can now live in light of this. And I can have boldness and I can have power and I can preach the Gospel knowing that He is going to save people. And when I say preach, I'm not talking about in this context. I'm talking about just hanging out at the coffee shop and telling people about Jesus. Has it transformed you? Do you believe the truth? Or do you believe some little microcosmic version of the truth that doesn't have the fullness and breadth of the beauty of the Gospel? Has the A to Z of the Gospel come to bear on your life? And if not, let today be the day it does. Let today be the day that Jesus becomes reality and not some 
proposition or, or some historical figure. That, but that he becomes a dear brother and friend who loves you and a dear and blessed and powerful and holy and righteous and awesome Lord. King that you submit your life to. And that you walk in truth with. And that day by day, who through, his, through the power of His Spirit is renewing you into His image. Guys, this is beautiful. And I think so often we look so past the beauty of the Gospel that we don't let it to come to bear on our lives in such a way that it just profoundly transforms who we are. That we actually walk in truth, empowered by the Spirit, that we walk with God Himself. Guys, don't miss that. 